Welcome to the Epiphany Movement Podcast. To learn more about the Epiphany Movement, visit us online at epiphanymovement.com. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed today's talk from Pastor Drake Nelson. A lot of times we say, the goal of life is to glorify God. You've heard that a lot. Um, but maybe the question that, that, that often comes up then is like, how do we do that? How do we, how do we glorify God? So just take that question, stick it in your back pocket, and uh, we'll come back and we'll end the message with that. Um, how y'all doing? Y'all doing okay? Y'all, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Y'all have a good, does anybody have a good week? Anybody have a pretty good week? Yeah, yeah. What, like, like any particular thing happened this week? I'm just wondering real quick. Up here, killing time, praying, God, what do you want me to say? So somebody say something. Uh, yeah, y'all came grandparents. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So, oh, oh my goodness, double grandparents. That is cool uh, at the same time. That is awesome. That is cool. All right, beat that. No, I'm just kidding. All right. Uh, yeah, I had a pretty good week myself. Um, me and Kat, we got to celebrate. When our anniversary, where are you at, babe? When our anniversary came around, we had revival going on, and it was just kind of busy. Uh, so we really didn't get to too much to celebrate anniversary. Uh, I did get our biscuit, though, so we're good, you know. But uh, this weekend, we got to kind of go down to Florida or to Gulf Shores and have a really good time I'm up there. Uh, matter of fact, we went to the shrimp basket. Have any of y'all ever been to the shrimp basket? I normally love the shrimp basket. That's what I'm talking about, Lily. Shrimp basket's good, ain't it? Well, I, I got the shrimp. It was like, but it, I, I ain't going to lie, I was kind of disappointed. It was like, it's kind of bland. I was like, oh, uh, you know, it didn't have, I, I, I don't know. Are you, do y'all like y'all shrimp with some kick to it? I mean, if I'm not crying, you know, don't bring that stuff over here. I'll, like, I'll, 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 so, you know, it's, it's okay. But the, throughout the weekend, we had a really good time. Just kind of got to relax, catch up. We had to have some good conversation, I think, you know. And um, so I, I hope anyways, you know, <laughs> Lord, please let it be good anyways. Um, but, you know, that's actually not why this week has been so good. So um, I don't know if that's me, but it could possibly be the Lord telling me, like, sit down because you're about to get yourself in trouble. But that, yeah, that's, that's actually not why my week was so good. I tell you what, that my week, like, I've never had a week like this in my life, I don't think, where, where God has just been opening me up. Where God has been pouring into me, I mean, I, 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 I try to think about it. it. It's not even just started this week. For like four or five weeks, God has just been sharing with me some things and growing me and leading me. Like, I don't know one week in my life where, where I, like, he has just poured himself out into me. And have you ever had a week like that where you're just like, God, you're so cool. Like, this is amazing. And so it's just like, ah, and I get to come be a part of this church, and I get to, like, pour into y'all, hopefully, and have y'all pour into us and pour into me. And I just started to think about this question. It's been ruminating in my mind. It's the question that I had to ask myself, is God a means to an end? Ask yourself, I, I, I want you to sit there and ask yourself that question. Is Jesus a means to an end? Is the goal to follow Jesus that, he, that, that, that one day I will get to go to heaven? Is the goal to follow Jesus, well, I'm going to get to have a great church family, y'all, and they're going to support me and love me. Is the goal, the, the, the goal to following Jesus, I'm going to have some great 
friends that will have my back in tough times. And personally, I had to answer the question, is following Jesus, is that just an occupation now? Is it something that I just do because I have to? Where would I be if I didn't? See, following Jesus is not a means to an end. Jesus is the end. Jesus, to follow Jesus is to get Jesus. And I was, I, I was just letting pour, in, pour into me in this, this passage I, I got to, to read. And, um, it, was, it, it says, don't worry. Have, do y'all ever struggle with worry? Um, that was kind of a joke, but, you know, um, tough crowd. A- anxiety, stress, worry. Man, and I, and, I, and I was getting, here's what I was worried about. I'm not going to lie. So, so Wednesday, I had my message ready for Sunday. I knew I was kind of leaving to the beach. And so Wednesday, the Lord kind of maybe put it on my heart. I don't know why, but to just to preach on, 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 on what I had already had planned for Sunday. And so I did, and we spoke on forgiveness and a bunch of other stuff. And so Thursday rolls around, and guess who uh, doesn't have a message for today? And then I, had to, I knew I was going to the beach, so I was like stressed. And it's not just like a... Like, it wasn't just this week that I was worrying about, oh, my goodness, what I'm going to preach on Sunday. It's like a common thing for me. Like, I normally worry, like, oh, oh, what am I going to preach on Sunday? Oh, the next Sunday's coming. The next Sunday's coming. Oh, Wednesday's going to be here. And so I, this worry was building up. And I read the passage, and here's what the passage said. It says, don't worry. Do you know how this goes about tomorrow? Because what does tomorrow have enough worry for? For it, it's, it's good. Today has enough worry for itself. Just focus on today. And then he goes this, and don't worry about what you should eat or, or what you will wear. But meditate instead on the what? On the things of heaven. And if you focus on the kingdom of heaven, God will supply everything else. Do y'all understand how cool that is? Like, you don't have to worry about your paycheck, honey. Thanks, thanks, bro. You don't have to worry about if I'm going to be healthy or not. You're not. You can literally get all the stress, all the worry, all the anxiety. This is what God was preaching to me. All that off of you. All you have to do is worry about following the kingdom of God, following Jesus, and He will supply all the rest. So don't worry about it, man. And it was like. I was kind of putting all this together, and, and I came across this verse, and here's what the verse said, y'all. It said, you know what? Jesus is going to give this big illustration on, hey, this is how you pursue the kingdom of God, and then once he finally finishes, he says, okay, I'll tell you what. If you want to clean the inside of your cup, meaning the inside of your heart, here's what you do, all right? Here's what you do. So I'm going to challenge you. He says, give to the needy. And you will be clean inside. That blew my mind. I never thought. I said, honey. And we was on the beach. And I was like, honey, look at this Bible verse right here. Like, look at this. She said, I never heard that. I said, I know you would think Jesus would say something like, if you want to clean the inside, pray more or read your Bible. But Jesus says, if you want to clean the inside, become clean. I'll tell you what you do. Give to the needy. And so this, this way, this is just advertising. This week when you're driving through Lakeland and you see somebody uh, on the side, we were talking about this in Sunday school, you know, maybe just go to Wendy's and get them a, 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 
Find someone who needs something that they do not have and supply them. Now, you want to know what's cool? Wait about four months, five months, and let Christmas roll around. And on December the 24th, here's just a good idea. Go into Waffle House. And when you go into Waffle House, order an all-star special. I don't really like the all-star special, by the way. I don't like eggs and grits and that sort of stuff. Um, don't throw things. But I, I, so I just get the waffle, but everybody says the, the all-star special is great. So fine, just get the all-star special, and here's what you do. When you leave Waffle House, instead of paying $9.57 for your all-star special, just put down $100 and walk out. And you will feel so good. Because I guarantee you, there's somebody that wants to be in Waffle House less than you on December the 24th, and that's the waiter that's probably serving your, your food. And just watch her face when you leave, like, oh, I, get to, I, I, can get my, I can get my child something for Christmas now. Man, I can pay my light bill now. See, there's something that happens in us when we actually give what we have to those who are in need. I tell you, look at this. We have a balance beam, and I don't know, um, Ray, where are you at, Ray? Um, Ray, you're good at this. Do you want to come show us how this is done? No, I'm just kidding. So here's what Jesus says, okay? Jesus says in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 4, he's talking to the church of Laodicea, chapter 3, and he's talking to the church in Laodicea. And as he describes this church, he says, hey, look, you think that you can see, but you are actually blind. You think you have clothes, but you are actually naked. You think you have found something, but you have actually lost. Because you are lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? He says, look, if you're lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And so I was trying to think of it like, like have you all ever seen the Olympics going on? You know, the people that get up on these balance memes, and they're, they're so good, but they just like, oh gosh, I knew I was going to do this one. I put it right here. All right. They, I, I, you know, I'm an Olympic athlete right here. And, and, and they will flip on this joker, right? I'm, I'm talking about right here, they will do a flip and then land it. And when they stick the landing, y'all, y'all know what they do? Have y'all ever seen some on balance? They, when they stick it, they go, I'm like, all right, that's great. Why did they do that? And, and, and here's how I think our Christian life almost works sometimes. It's like we, 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 we become a Christian, and, and we're walking, and we're, get, we're, we're really testing out the waters, and then we get about halfway, and we're, oh, my goodness, I don't want to fall. I don't want to fall. Oh, oh, I really don't want to fall. Um, <laughs> all right. Oh, man. I'm a Christian, everybody. I'm, I'm holding on. I'm holding on. And then maybe like 75, 85, 95 comes around and the Lord calls us home. And so now we're about to get off of this life beam, this balance beam, and we get right before Jesus. And what do we do? We go. <laughs> like imagine if you saw an Olympic athlete get on the podium and do that. Like what would the judge say? The judge would say, you know what? What do you get? You get a big fat zero. Like, you don't score anything. All right, now imagine the judge of all the world that you stand before 
and your whole life from the time that you got saved and took your first steps in Christ has been just holding on to this life, scared to death to lose it. But then you stand before the Lord one day and you say, God, what do you think He's going to say to you? Here's what Jesus says. He says, those who want to come and follow me, they should pick up their cross. Those who hold on to this life, who try to have everything that they can do to save everything, they will lose it. But the one who loses their life for my sake is the one who actually will find it. And God has been doing a work in me, y'all, because here... I, I've been, like, my whole life, I've been, like, trying my best. I'm like, oh, man, I'm really running after God. And I, I, I was talking to Kat. I said, Kat, my faith is so weak. It is. My faith is so incredibly small. And I said, sometimes I even wonder if God is out there. And I'm just being honest and real with you. Because when I pray for people, I will get on my face and I'll put hands on them and I will pray for people and He won't heal them. And I'll go to the next person I will put my hands on them and I'll, and I'll pray. And seven, eight, nine, ten people this will happen to and none of them will get healed. And I'm thinking, if God is real, why, does, like, why, why is my faith not enough? And this week, God's finally given me an answer to this. It's, I, th I think this is what it is. It's because James 4, 8 says, draw close to God, and he will draw close to you. And I said, God, I've been trying to draw close to you. He said, no, you haven't. Your drawing close to me is like this. But when James said it, he meant totally devoting your life, being someone who is insanely in love with Christ, someone who is pursuing Him with your entire heart, not having anything to do with this world, but everything to pursue your spiritual destiny, following after that. And you have been coming after me like this much, Drake, and I'm calling you to so much more. So you're wondering, Drake, why we aren't like this? It's not because of me, Drake. It's because of you and church are we not in the same place and Jesus says this he says not mm. you know what, is, what he says he says if you want to come after me what does he tell the rich man I'll tell you what you kept the commands great sell everything you have everything that you have Come and follow me, and you'll have a reward in heaven. I, what, I, I give you this example. What, what, what if America was about to go up in a big old flood, and you were like, oh, this is terrible. I'm about to get washed up in a flood, and, and I can swim, but not very well. So here's what you can do. You can actually get on a plane and fly to, to Britain, and you, 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 you will be fine, but the only thing that you can bring with you when you go to Britain is you. You can't bring anything else with you. So your house, your money, your dog if you have one, you're the only thing that's coming. Uh, you're the only thing that can get on that plane and go to Britain. But you'll save your life. But when you get to Britain, you won't have anything. However, when you do, before maybe a month, two months, you can pack one box, one box 
this, about this big. And you can put anything that you want inside that box and you can pre-ship it through FedEx and send it to the airport to Britain. What would you do? You would clean out all your closet, everything in your house. You would say, this is important. This is not. This is important. This is not. This is going in the box. This I can live without. And ladies and gentlemen, friends, I mean, really, you, I've known you for two years now. Two years. You are my, you, you're my family. Man, this past week, I've said no to Facebook. Like, we had this fast thing. Like, I, I, I'm getting Facebook out of my life. I'm getting Netflix out of my life. I just want to focus on the Word of God. Why? Because I, there's some things that I just got to get rid of because they don't matter. And I get so distracted with, with all this. And it's like, oh, I, gotta, I just got to get it out and really search and say, like, what, is, what, what really matters? And so you get all this and you sit it in a box. And when you get to Britain, it's, it's, it's there waiting on you. And everything else is going to disappear. That's what Jesus is talking about here. He said the only thing that's going to make it through the flood is what you do for the kingdom of God. Everything else is going to perish. Everything else is going to perish. In Luke chapter 14, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. He's going to say um, pretty incredible statement. He's going to say this. Luke 14, 25. A large crowd was following Jesus, so he turned around and he said to them, If you, verse 26... Want to be my disciple, you must by comparison hate everyone else. Your father, your mother, your wife, your children, your brothers, your sisters. Yes, even your own life. Otherwise, you cannot, you cannot be my disciple. And if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. But don't begin until you count the cost. For you will begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if you have enough money to finish it. And he finishes up the story. And here's what he says. He says, verse 33, So therefore, you cannot become my disciple without giving up some... What's it say? Without giving up everything that you have. But man, we're... Salt is good for seasoning, but if it loses its flavor, how then do you make it salty? Flavorless salt is no good, neither for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away with anyone with ears to hear, listen, and understand. And after this story, here's what Jesus is going to do. He's actually going to transition into something that was lost, a sheep. And the sheep, he's going to go grab the shepherd who has lost one sheep out of 99. And when he finally gets the sheep, he, he brings it back and they have an amazing party. And here's what Jesus says about the party. In the same way, there's more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents. And then what does he say? He says, returns to God. Do you see that? Returns to God. Who repents, God, I've, I've gone away. Now I'm repenting and I'm returning to you, God. 
This isn't someone who is just getting saved. This is someone who has been a Christian, played the Christian game, got on the balance beam, and started to lose their salt, turned his back on God, walked away, got out of the will of God, and now they are repenting and returning to God. And this is what happens. There is more joy in heaven over that one person that returns to God and repents of their sin than over 99 others who are righteous and have not strayed away. Look, God is calling us to more than a Sunday, than a Wednesday. He is calling us to make a radical sacrifice to die to ourselves and follow Him with our entire life. In the chapter before that, it's uh, Luke 13. He's about to um, talk about this narrow gate. And he's, he's going to say something like, the road to, to the highway, the hell is very broad. The, the narrow way to heaven is, is very slim. And only few find it. But before he's going to say any of that, what's the first word that Jesus says? Look with me. Ch- uh, chapter 13, verse 24. What's the first words? Does yours say, work what? Work hard. Work hard to enter the narrow gate, the narrow door to the kingdom of God. For many will try to enter, but few will. I mean, I've talked to all of you. I know you are the hardest working people. I mean, we've been working, y'all been working hard. Y'all been working hard. Been working hard. Barely making ends meet. Job gets a little hard. What do you do? Do you just quit? No, you work harder. Your marriage is on the rocks. What do you do? You're working harder. You need to to lose some weight. What do you do? You just keep eating? Don't run, don't exercise, though. What do you do? Run some more. See, in almost every asset of our life, we love hard work. But when it comes to the Christian life, we almost despise it. Work hard? Are you serious? You mean it's going to cost me something? You mean it's going to be something that I have to give up in order to follow Christ? And Jesus Christ is saying, yes, work hard at it. It's going to cost you something. You're going to have to die to yourself. You're going to have to neglect everything that you own. Give it all away. Turn and then follow Christ. Drake, are you telling me that I have to give everything away? That I have to die? No, Jesus is. You know, he gets through telling the story and he looks at the parables and he's like, 
or the Pharisees, and he tells a parable. He says, like, you Pharisees, y'all think y'all are so great. I'll tell you what y'all are. Y'all are like a cup that's very pretty on the outside, but inside it's really nasty. And maybe you've never got this uh, before. Uh, just imagine a bed, okay? And imagine on top of your bed, it's beautiful. You got a beautiful comforter, a, a, a great picture above your bed. You got 17 throw pillows, all you women in here. Amen. You got a quilt on it. Even at the very end of the bed, you have the little, uh, what's it called? A Chester drawer or something that you put at the very end of the bed. It's great. You have two nightstands. It looks beautiful. And so you go to get in the bed, and as soon as you undo the sheets, you look in the bed, and it's just disgusting. There's roaches running around in the bed. There's someone who is like peed in the bed. I mean, it's just disgusting. And you're like, would you get into that bed? It looks great on the outside, but when you peel back and look inside, it's not great. It's disgusting. Man. That's what he's saying to the Pharisees. You work so hard to put on a church face to make everything look like you're okay. But how much work are you putting on the inside of you? How much are you working on your character, on following Christ? You know, That's one of the biggest things that I have with the... Have you ever heard of the prosperity gospel? I don't know if you've ever heard of that term coined. Um, basically, it's this, this idea... There's several preachers out there who are t- preaching this. Um, I, uh, I won't name any. I just say that the basic idea is that God's going like, to bless you and in, in, in your everything that you have. And, and, and here's the, the, the problem, I guess, that I have with that. It's that look at Paul... That dude was beaten to death, beheaded for the faith, and in prison more times than he could remember, literally. He had a thorn in his side that God never took out because his glory was made better when he was weak. Look at Peter. It was said that Peter was crucified upside down for his faith. Look at James. It says that James was boiled alive in oil. John was shipwrecked on the island of Patmos, totally secluded because the emperor couldn't kill the guy. So he says, you're worse than, I can't kill you. I'm just going to shipwreck you to the island. And person after person, you go look at Moses, Ezekiel, Jeremiah, Noah. Look at, uh, uh, I, I don't know, Daniel. In the lion's den, person after person after person faced what? Hardship. They went through it. So if your mentality is that serving Christ is going to be easy, then when difficulty comes, you're going to throw in the red flag. But the gospel is this. Not that it's going to be easy, but that God is going to go through it with you. So when you go through, when people persecute you, He says rejoice. He says rejoice. He says rejoice because it's not going to be easy. I'm calling you to do something that is going to be impossible. Let me end with this. Jesus tells a story. And he's, t- he's telling a story about this guy who 
goes into a field, and as he goes into the field, he, he says, hey, look, I, I, this field is pretty amazing. I love this field. And he runs into the field, and he finds a hidden gem, a treasure, a pearl. It's called of great price that's, that's, that, that's, that's, that's almost, you can't even, I don't know, me- measure it mon- mon- monetarily. What would you call that? I don't know. Pri- pri- I'm pretty dumb. Yeah, priceless. It's priceless. And so he goes into the field and discovers this priceless jewel. And so he comes back and he says, you know what? I'm selling everything that I have. I'm selling my house, my car. I'm going to give away all my clothes, my Xbox, my, my, my Netflix accounts. I'm going to give away my everything that I have. I'm giving it all away. And, I, and then I'm going to have enough money to buy this treasure because what is in the field is priceless. It's worth way more than anything I could could ever ask or imagine. He says, so it is when a believer discovers Jesus. That he sells everything that he has, and so in doing, he says, Okay, God, I'm coming and I'm running after you. So, is the Christian life about there's these rules and regulations that we just have to obey? If Kat walked in the door and I gave her a kiss, I was like, Love you, honey. I missed you today. And she said, uh, why did you just give me a kiss? And I said, well, I was reading a husbandly handbook and it said that I was supposed to give you a kiss after you got home from work. She would do what? She would probably like mule punch me. You know what the mule punch is? It's like when you got them looking over here and they're like, oh, he's about to you hit him with a right. She would probably do that to me. No, I say what? I say, I don't do it because I read, I do it because I, I, what? I, I love you. And so following Jesus is not something that we say, oh, we're just obligated to do it. Hear me, church. We don't, we're not obligated to follow Jesus. Do it or not. You follow Jesus because what? You have discovered that field. You have discovered that there's nothing more in this world that matters more than Jesus. And when you find Jesus, you say, hey, I'm selling everything. I'm giving everything. I'm giving my life. I'm following him. Why? Because I love Jesus. Because I love him. And that, friends, that, friends, is how we glorify God. We do it when we undevotedly, undividedly love and cherish the name, the renown, the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for letting us be here today. God, I pray that you would do a work in us. God, I pray that we'd fall more in love with you. I pray that we would just throw off the chains that so easily bind us of, of worry that we would throw off the chains of trying to do things our way, that all the sin that entangles us, God, that we would just shift that away and that we would wholeheartedly follow you, Christ. God, let us have better faith. God, we love you and we do believe, but God, help us in our unbelief. God, I pray, my prayer is that we would all draw close to you. And I mean really draw close like James says, that we would really draw close to you, God, And in so doing, you would draw near to us. And man, we would be unstoppable. We would glorify you because we would love you more and more every day. In your name I pray, amen, amen. If you feel called to come, come.